Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. They messed up big time, and they knew it. They knew what they had done. God had given them one command. One. Right? You can eat from any tree in the garden you want. Right? Just don't eat from that one tree in the middle. God had put them in this perfect place. He had created this universe for them. They enjoyed perfect communion with him. One command to follow. And they broke it. They knew they had messed up. Big time. Because they try to hide from God. Right? They, they know what they've done. They, they know the consequences. God, God was not unclear about what would happen. He told them, if you eat of that tree, you will die. Right? You will get old. You're going to get sick. You're going to go through pain and suffering. And eventually, you will no longer be here on this earth. You will not enjoy perfect unity with me forever anymore. Everything will change. Everything that you enjoy right now will be tainted, marred, destroyed by sin. They knew. And yet they did it anyways. Yet they ate from that tree God told them not to. And what were their whispered conversations as they hid in that garden? We didn't want to. <laughs> it wasn't our intent. It, it seems like from what Eve says to Satan that, that they even, even said, you know what, we want to obey God. We, we want to show our love to God by not eating of this tree because God told us not to eat of it. We're not even going to touch it. We're not even going to go near it, right? But man, he made it sound so good. Right? It, it, he comes, and, and he, the serpent comes to us, and he, and he says, did God really say? Right? And he comes to, came to us with those lies. Right? God told us we would die, and he said we will not surely die, and, and it was just so appealing, right? That one thing we didn't have, to be like God, to know everything. I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? Can you really, can you blame us? Right? He came to us, and it sounded so good. He came to us like a friend, right? Like God was our enemy. Like he was the one who was holding out on us. Like, like God was the one who didn't love us and care about us, right? I mean, why would God give us a rule to follow if he really loved us? Why would God threaten us with death if he really cared about us, right? It all made sense at the time. This is how we justified it in our minds. The fruit looked good. It was desirable for gaining wisdom. But here they are, filled with shame and regret and guilt and fear. Because they knew what this meant. They knew what was going to happen. And when God comes to them, looking for them, 
Right? He comes, and, and it seems like this is something he did often with them. He, he's walking in the cool of the day to come and spend some time with them. And, and of course, they're not where he would normally expect to find them. And he calls out, where are you? And they come out. And Adam and Eve do what we all do. Blame others for what we've done. Did you eat of the tree? Adam says, it's the woman's fault. And it's your fault, God. You put her here. Right? And Eve blames the serpent. The devil made me do it. But in the end, they stand before a holy God. Covered not in just their fig leaves, but in their guilt and their shame and their regret and their fear. And they have to admit, yes, I ate of the fruit that you commanded me not to eat from. I did it. And you know, it's easy for us, isn't it, to, to look back on this account and to say, Adam and Eve, how could you do that? <laughs> do you realize what the result is now? <laughs> If you could have fast-forward thousands of years and seen what this world is like because of that sin, maybe that would have changed your mind, right? It's easy for us to sit here and say, you had everything, Adam and Eve, right? It, just, it was one tree. How could you just not keep away from it, right? And you were talking to a serpent. This isn't a Disney movie, right? How, how did you not know this isn't right? This isn't, we shouldn't be here, right? How did you not run away immediately? You had one command and you couldn't keep it. Look at what you brought on all of us. Right? It's really easy for us, isn't it, to sit here and criticize Adam and Eve thousands of years later. But I guarantee, if you were in that garden that day, it would have been the same exact result. And you could try to convince me, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I would have never disobeyed God like that, right? I would have been too happy, too content, right? I, I could obey one commandment. I could do that. Maybe you think I would have loved God more than they did. And I would have been more faithful to God. I wouldn't have listened to Satan. And maybe you wouldn't have on, that, on the first time. And we don't know if this was the first time Adam and Eve were tempted. He could have come a number of times to them. But the fact is, every one of us would have been in that same spot. Trying to figure out how to sew fig leaves to cover our shame and our nakedness cowering in fear behind some bushes, hoping God can't find us. Friends, and I know this is the case. I know it would have been the same for you and for me in that garden because every day you face the same temptations of Satan. And I know without you telling me that you fail miserably. Oh, and it might not be the same type of fruit. <laughs> Right, Satan comes with the same tricks. Right? If anything, he's not original. Right? He'll, he'll come with lies. He comes with coercion. He comes with deception. He comes with twisting the truth just enough to make it sound, you know, pretty good. Right? Did God really say this? Oh, that's not going to happen. No one's going to find out. God's holding out on you. Right? He comes with the same exact type of tactics. But he might hold out a different piece of fruit to you. Right? It might not be the fruit of power. Right? That's the only thing that Adam and Eve didn't have, to be like God. Oh, that's the fruit he holds out to them. But what is it for you? What is that temptation that 
Satan comes and holds out to you? The fruit of lust? The fruit of lying and hurting other people to get ahead? The fruit of the love of money and the happiness that it can buy you? The fruit of thinking about yourself first? Maybe it is that power like Adam and Eve, that, that, that live for you. Take care of yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. Don't worry about even what God says. Take care of number one, right? What is that fruit that Satan holds out to you? He works in the same way today. Right? And, and he holds it out to us. And, and it looks so good at first, doesn't it? When he comes with those lies, when he comes with his, you know, his persuasive words, and we can make it sound so good. And that first bite might taste really, really good, right? That first bite of lust, that first bite of lying, that first, you know, that first bite of just taking care of me and worrying about me. But that delicious, delectable taste of that fruit quickly turns sour in our mouth, doesn't it? as that shame and that guilt and that fear just wave over us. As we stand there with a piece of fruit in our hand and wonder, what have I done? How could I do such a thing? And like Adam and Eve, our first inclination is to run and to hide from a holy God. And we might think, you know, it's, it's easy for us, or it's easier for us to, to run and hide from God than it was from Adam and Eve, right? For Adam and Eve. But think about it this way. Yes, God does not come to you and face you every time that you sin, but you will meet him face to face one day. It could be today. Your death day or your last day, you will be face to face with a holy, righteous God and you'll have to have an answer for all the temptations you have fallen into, for every sin that you have committed against your holy God. You've got to have an answer for him. And that's where Adam and Eve were, knowing they would have to face God, knowing that he wasn't going to just forget about it and let it slide, Knowing that the penalty was death, they cowered in fear behind those bushes, knowing there was nothing else they could do. Nothing they could offer God to make up for it. Nothing to do to take it back again. No one else to really blame but themselves. They were in a hopeless, helpless, desperate situation as they hid in those bushes that afternoon. And that was a good place for them to be. Knowing they needed something outside of themselves to rescue them. Do you know, it's really interesting how, how God comes to Adam and Eve in the garden that day. It's really remarkable. Again, it seems like this was a, a normal thing that they would do, spend some time together every day, walk together, right? Just that, that perfect communion that they enjoyed. And, and so God comes again like he normally would. And Adam and Eve aren't in the usual spot. He probably finds them. And, and he goes looking for them, right? And he, and he begins to call out as if he doesn't know. 
where they are, what's happened. Of course he does. He knows all things. But he calls out, Adam, where are you? And Adam responds, I was afraid. I was ashamed because I'm naked, so, so we're hiding. And God says, who told you you were naked? Did, Adam, did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? God comes to them in such gentleness, in such mercy, that even though he knows what they have done, even though God knows exactly what this is going to result in, just all of the pain and the suffering and the death and everything that's going to result because of this one act of disobedience, God still comes in gentleness and mercy because he loves them. And as they come out of those bushes and they stand before God, shaking, <laughs> they got to be just quaking with fear, God doesn't speak to them first. First he turns to Satan. And Adam and Eve are standing right there. And they hear the words that God says to the serpent. The last verse of our first lesson says this. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. This verse here is the first promise of a rescuer. Of one who would come to undo what Adam and Eve did. The one who would come to restore the relationship between sinful human beings and a holy God. This verse really, it, it, the rest of the Bible really after this verse, is an unfolding of God keeping this very promise. The rest of the Bible is how God would keep this promise. To send one who would crush the head of that serpent. That one who would come to face every temptation that Adam and Eve did and that you and I do. And to face them perfectly for us. And we heard it in our gospel lesson as Jesus begins his ministry there and he is led out by the Spirit to go to war for us. To go to battle against our enemy, Satan, and to win for us. And it wasn't just three temptations that Jesus faced in his life. It was 33 years of temptation. And he kept that law perfectly, obeying every command of his heavenly Father perfectly for us. To do what Adam and Eve could not. To do what we cannot. So that he can offer his perfect record to our Heavenly Father in place of our sinful record. Oh, that serpent, that Satan did definitely cause that rescuer some pain. He did strike his heel, no doubt. Right? This life of Jesus was not an easy one. Right? This facing these temptations were not a walk in the park for him. And as we enter into the season of Lent, we are going to walk with Jesus to that cross and to see the suffering and the pain 
and the death and the agony, the suffering of hell itself, the forsaking, being forsaken by his heavenly father and all for us so that we would not have to. And when Jesus cried out on that cross, when our victor, our rescuer cried out, it is finished, that devil's head was crushed. His work destroyed so that he can no longer claim any power over you. For all the times that you have been defeated by Satan, for all the times that you have fallen into his temptations, for every time that you have chosen his words over God's, Christ died. So that you know that you are forgiven. That every sin has been paid for. There at the cross, it looks like defeat. But there you see victory. Victory over the devil. Victory over sin. Victory over death. Victory for you. Adam and Eve were overcome by a tree. As the devil held out that fruit from that, that, that tree that they were not to eat from, he got them to fall. And how amazing it is that God uses a tree, the tree of the cross, to in turn overcome the devil. And to see the fruit that God offers to us through that tree. The fruit of peace with our Heavenly Father the fruit of forgiveness for every time that we fall and fail, the fruit of eternal life, that there is a home in heaven with our God where we will get to see him face to face without fear or regret or guilt or shame, that we get to enjoy his presence forever as God intended it to be at the beginning. The fruit of that cross where we find power as we are released from the power of Satan and we find the power of Christ to go into this wilderness of this world and to face the temptations of Satan not with our own strength not with our own power but with the forgiveness and the love and the power of Christ in us that dwells in us by faith and to know every day that when I fall and when I fail when I am again defeated by my enemy Satan, I don't run and hide in the bushes. I run and cling to a cross where I again am renewed and refreshed and forgiven and reminded how I'm loved by God, how Satan has been defeated for me, how I am clothed in his power. Do you know the first death that occurred here on this earth? It wasn't Abel. It was actually some animals that had to die so that God could make some skins, some animal you know, skins, so, uh, some clothes for Adam and Eve to wear to cover over their shame and their nakedness and their guilt and their regrets and their failure. But there was blood that was shed thousands of years later that was way more precious than that of bulls or cows, whatever they were. The blood of his own son was shed 
to cover over our shame and guilt and regret and failure. That we stand before God right now clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness, his holiness, as he shed his innocent blood on that cross for us. Friends, that is who you are. That is what you go into this world of temptation and sin wearing. The righteousness of Christ to remind you who you are. A child of God, loved, holy in his sight, an heir of eternal life, so that when those temptations of Satan come, you can say, away from me. You are not my friend. You want nothing but for me to be in hell with you someday. I know my Savior. And I know how you have been overcome by a tree. I know how you have been already defeated. I've been released from your power over me. I find my worth and my value and my happiness and my contentment and my hope and joy in Christ alone. And the one who forgives when you fall, and the one who strengthens you when you face temptations, who lifts you up when you are defeated, to point your eyes again to your gracious, loving Savior God, who has done all this for you. Amen.